We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and this is the show where we would take a look at yesterday's slate, look through results DB, see what some sharp players did. We review it a bit, take maybe take a, a sneak peek at uh, today's slate. Uh, we, we got a big one today to tonight uh, on on the MLB docket, and answer your DFS strategy questions as always i see you guys in the youtube chat suki singh oh yeah seven minutes early that he was late yesterday but now he's he's early eric hillpole jerome lewis doug montgomery real life pitcher julian wilson card fan daniel hutchins and alex santi's here got everyone hit that thumbs up button on your way in the door right give me those stummy thumbs helps us out uh hit the subscribe button if you're new hit the notification bell to know when we go live here on this channel yesterday. Yesterday, the question was, what did, did you take a chance on the Padres-Braves game? Okay. If you look, took a look at the weather, they could have probably fit the entire game in before it rained. Right? It ended, they start, once they started delayed, like you couldn't play anymore. Right? We had Roth on crunch time. It's like this game did two to two and a half hours of no rain. And then, then there's trouble. Then, then there's trouble down the line. But uh, if they want to get this game, they want to get at least you know, an official game in. Like if they start at, at you know, the normal time, 7, 720, whatever it was, that it should be fine enough that to play Darvish, right? I mean, the Padres projected well also. So you want to take a shot on that. Uh but they decide to late start it for no apparent reason. For and then didn't it didn't rain till 9 30, 10 o'clock. They postponed it like an hour later anyway. 
Uh, so some people took a shot on it because original originally it was a bad forecast, and it's like okay, maybe they, maybe they can get this game in, and uh, I ju- I just exit out. I me personally, I, I I looked at the radar myself and I said anything past like nine thirty is 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 dead, and and there could be a pop up before then, right? So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's a big enough slate that do I need to play the Padres? Do I need to play Darvish? I mean, Darvish was probably the, you know, the top raw points pitcher on the slate, but uh, is it worth it? Well, we could see here that uh, we take a look at Darvish. Darvish came in in the $5 big GPP on DraftKings. He came in at 11.7%. But you can obviously see it's mixed here, right? Some, some sharper players just said, nope, ain't going to play him. Ain't going to do it. And then some are like, I'm going to take a shot. Some in a lot of lineups, 35%, 32%. 25% Groflex who won at zero. But you take a look at Tatis. Tatis, the, you would think it's the same, it should be the same people, right? See, zero, 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 zero. Here, 42% what well, that's need lunch money, 42% Tatis. But it's weird for me to see like Broflex have zero Darvish, yet still have Tatis, yet still have. Padres stacks. Well, I guess so. Maybe you take a shot on a couple of them on the pond for the hitters. Just kind of weird to see that you you wouldn't take a shot on Darvish, but you would take a shot on the bats in that game. Oh well, okay, just interesting. So looking through here, the pitchers yesterday. If you play Gibson, he was fine until last inning, right? Minus eight. I'm surprised he was the highest on pitcher. Well, I, I guess people people were moving from. Uh, Darvish to Gibson, right? Because Darvish, if that had no weather problem, Darvish would have been like 35 to 40% owned. So I'm assuming that Darvish at 9,200, you just swap down, especially like, you know, you see at 705 or whatever, that uh, the, the, the game's going to be late started, which makes no sense. Then you switch over to 200 less, you get Gibson, right? And then he had Granke. So Granke at 8,800 and Yarborough at 8,600. Otani at 8,700. So like all of that range was all split. Or Kevin Gows, when you go up to, to 10, 10, 3, 10,000, something like that, whatever. I didn't play him, Gowsman. Uh, my, my pitching pool was, uh, what did I, let's see. I played a lot of Cole Irvin, right? I played Caleb Smith, basically Caleb Smith and Cole Irvin. I did, I mean, I did play Gibson. I did play Yarbrough. I, did, I think I played one Otani lineup. I had like 15 lineups yesterday. I played Alec Mills. I played a lot of Cole Irvin against the Angels. The projections for the pitchers yesterday were just like nothing, nothing stands out. They all project in a very similar range. Like half the pitching pool projected around the same. So my attitude was, is that, you know, you can play Alec Mills, Cole Irvin, Caleb Smith, like any of these. Like they, Yarbrough, Yarbrough was the, in the bat was the top projected pitcher. Which I mean, he's not much of a strikeout pitcher. So if he gets into trouble, it's hard for him to hard for him to make up ground, and that's what happened. So I had Yarborough, but I mean, I had Yarborough Smith, you know, Gibson, Irvin, you know, like stuff like that. Grenke in a lineup or two. Lester was the play apparently. He does this once in a blue moon. Or Spencer Watkins against Tampa Bay. 
But I viewed the Lester situation as a high variance situation. Lester didn't project that badly uh, in the bat. I mean, he was only 6,300. So how, how much does he have to project? The goal because, and the Marlins, and Lester sucks, and the Marlins suck. And the Marlins were trotting out a lineup without Cooper, without Marte, without Jizom. So a weaker Marlins lineup. But I mean, John Lester sucks also. So Miami projected well and Lester projected well. And in those situations, that's a, that's a high variance situation. <coughs> Typically, the range of outcomes is going to be much wider, which means more likely that one or the other does well. Either Lester goes out and what he did and, you know, pitch, you know, what, eight strikeouts or whatever, whatever he had, or the Marlins come out and, you know, eight to 10 runs. But yesterday, there were ton, tons of, tons of offense yesterday. I, I had great lineup. I mean, my, 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 my 250 lineup. My ball four special. Because I play one entry. I don't play the four entry max. Like I had a lot of Mets, Mets, Red Sox, Mets. Those are my top two stacks. And you figure the, the, the Reds, the, the, the Red Sox put up 13 runs and the Mets put up 15 runs. And it's still nowhere close. Still not, still nowhere close, right? Still, still didn't get there. Well, Bogarts, I mean, I, team scores 13 runs and goes 0 for 5. Right in the middle of it. At shortstop. Especially when Trey Turner goes nuts. Because the Nationals put up 18 runs. Right? The Tigers put up 15 runs. Like so many teams put up a lot of runs. I mean, the Reds put up runs also, right? They put up 10 runs. It was a 15 to 10 game. But I mean, based on the ownership in in in, in single in a in a small field. I mean, not single entry, but close to it. I mean, I, I love this Boston ownership, right? Duran, seven. Renfro, two. Martinez, four. Bogart, seven. Devers, 11. And I like Duran because a lot of people were playing Tyler Naquin at 2,500. So it's a very similar price point. I mean, Naquin did well also. Same for Renfro, right? He had a grand slam. Like this, this looks like a lineup that should win. Obviously, Yarborough, you get, I got screwed there. But I mean, 67th place, it comes nowhere near. I mean, the winner in the 400, it was Duke Dog 71. And the Cincinnati stack, one, two, three, four, two Washington, one Boston, one Miami. Okay, kind of a messy lineup, but whatever. But I mean, you could have won with the Cincinnati stack, and then, but you had Soto. Yeah, that, that, that's what you need. Soto's 43 points. Sandy Leon comes in and give, gives up a home run. I get it. I didn't play any Washington yesterday. They were they were on my short list, but I, I didn't get to it. Yesterday, I played uh, Boston, Mets, who else? Houston. I mean, they didn't do anything, but they to me, they were under-owned. If we take a look at Alvarez. Oh, he's not a pitcher. Let's go to... I mean, yeah, wow. He actually was 10% owned in the $5. He was lower owned in, in some of the, the, the medium one. Alvarez, Altuve. Yeah, four, 9% owned. Correa, 6% owned. So I was playing Houston, like three-man Houston, not, not, not five-man Houston. And then I was playing some leverage. I played a Pittsburgh lineup against Caleb Smith. Figuring Caleb Smith would be owned enough. 
I played a Detroit stack against Gibson. I played a Baltimore stack against Yarborough. Now, all those stacks, I mean, like, those teams did, the Tigers did well. The Orioles, I mean, the Orioles did well. But, I mean, when the Nationals put up 18 runs and the Red Sox put up 13 runs with five home runs, right? The Mets had, the Mets have five home runs and they have 15 runs. Like, who cares? Baltimore scoring, what, six or seven runs? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter anymore. When I thought Cincinnati was overowned, didn't mean I didn't play him. I had a Cincinnati lineup. But I mean, if you take a look, Winker at 23, Nakun at 14, Tyler Stevenson at 15, Suarez at 12. To me, they weren't even the top stack in the bat. They weren't even the top stack on the slate, projected wise. The Mets were. And you can see here, Brick. Brick had a lot of Mets. He, he played a lot, ton of Mets in 150 lineups. Conforto, two home runs. But he also took shots on Tatis, right? J.D. Davis, 30%. McNeil, 36%. And the Red Sox were owned, right? It's not like they were under-owned. It was, it was not like they were... It's not like they... they. I mean, there was like no one had them. But I think Toronto was over-owned yesterday. I would take a look at Bichette. There's Vlad. Vlad's somewhere here. Yeah, here, 16, 16%. He was like 6,300. People playing two cheap pitchers or whatever. Yeah, not much. Most, most of these tilapia, sure, 20%. Not much Toronto. Right, Cole Calhoun, I didn't have any of. Right, the 2K for the Diamondbacks. Let's see here. It depends if you're playing them in stacks. You go through here. Miami was sharp. Let me tell you, like less, uh, both sides were sharp. I mean, I, I saw a bunch of sharp players play Marlin stacks. So we can see it here, right? Alfaro, over, Aguiar, where's Duvall? What happened to Duvall? I saw him here, Duvall, right? He was 11% owned. I mean, look, look across the board. I mean, Miami, yeah, they didn't get there, but if you played a Miami stack yesterday, you got... A lot of sharp people did. But just because it didn't get there doesn't mean you were stupid. But I don't know if people expected them to be this owned. 11%. I mean, they weren't like high owned. But really, the, the Nationals were, were lower. I mean, Soto was owned. Soto was 13%. Trey Turner. Trey, Trey Turner's ownership only went up because of the Padres Braves game. Like, if you were not, if you were saying screw, Screw it, I'm not playing Tatis. Like you go down, okay, I'm going to play Trey Turner. Right, we take a look at shortstop, right? Bogarts or something, you're going to play, you so do something like that. Bo Bichette, right? You're going to have some expensive shortstop that you're switching to. And then people, you know, they, oh, I'm going to switch from Tatis to Turner. And then Turner has 30 points. Josh Harrison was 10%. The Nationals weren't like, weren't that low. Look, Escobar at 8%. And usually I look down at the teams at like the six, seven percent. Like who, who's in this range? The Pirates, the Cubs, right? Like, look, Kiki Hernandez, four percent on the Red Sox. I, I love the Red Sox ownership yesterday. Renfro at three percent here. 
these guys were lower owned in the in the smaller field stuff. On the medium, the medium field, whatever. Right, I had a, a Detroit lineup with Badu. I guess Detroit was a much better uh, stack on FanDuel, where you could play Miggy and Scope together. You couldn't, you can't on DraftKings. They're both first base only eligible. You go down here. I, I had one Dodgers, I had a Dodgers lineup. Right? Turner and Muncie, they did well, but I mean, no one else did. See, look at the or- look at the Orioles, right? Leverage on Yarbrough. Yarbrough's 23% owned. And we have like Santander and Hayes. They were so cheap. So you pair them with, you pair the, I do like Baltimore and Boston, right? You pair them with the Red Sox. Take a third, Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. You play Hand, Hayes, Santander. I mean, you pay up a pitching twice for two eight to nine K pitchers. Same thing for the Pirates. You could have done the same exact thing for the Pirates. Right, take a look at the girls. Mount Castles, less than 1% owned. Look, uh, Miggy Cabrera was less than 1% owned. Just looking down through here. The Giants were barely owned and they did well, but not well enough. It's one of those things where, oh, my team scored a lot of runs, but they didn't score 18 runs. A lot of times you find that one team that does that out of 20. You want a quarter of the teams put up double digits. Well, there's multiple ways to win with those teams. But if you don't have any of those teams, well, you're dead. You're dead. Don't even bother. Let's look through the YouTube chat. Norm Bothwell says, I had a 5-2-1 Boston Nationals. It was in top 10 most of the night. Gausman Mills didn't work out for, for you. Finished with 206 points. That's still a lot. 206. Uh, Uncrabby Cavi. Hey, Jordan, do you use the Team Smash tool as part of your process? If, if so, what's your plan of attack? You're talking about... Uh, I don't even know if this is up. I've discussed this before. Obviously, I've discussed everything before. Let's go to... I don't think we have it up for today yet. Right. Does this uh, DraftKings stack leverage team smash percentage? That's what you're talking about. So let's, let's see if we could find it. From yesterday. Or in, at all. <laughs> yeah, this is, I mean, it's just not filled in yet. Right. We have the right people in, right? Trevor Williams is pitching. Yeah, okay. So this obviously doesn't have owners. This is not updated or whatever. Okay. I've talked about this before. Where are we going? Okay. What this tool is, this is for DraftKings. Now there's a FanDuel version. There's a whatever. There's every version. This smash percentage is here. Using a simulation of 10,000 trials, our plate IQ projections determine the percent of time the team will smash the slate by finishing as the top option. So the top stack. So it's going to be the top stack. You can compare that to a team's expected ownership and percentage to finish as a top overall value on the slate to make exposure decisions. Okay. So this is the percentage of the time 
that a four or five man stack of this team is the top is the highest performing stack in points based on 10,000 plus tries using the plate IQ projections. Okay. These are the things you need to know. You need to understand the context. So basically you're looking, if you're using the plate IQ projections, this is the most important part. These numbers would be completely different if you use the bat. These numbers would be completely different if you aggregate the two. If you make your own projections, it like it, this is only using the plate IQ projections. So based on the plate IQ projections, today the Red Sox, as I mean, I don't even know, I don't even know if this is calculated, let alone accurate. 10%, you know, smash percent, top stack would be 10%, 10% for the Toronto, 8% for Houston. And then you'd look at the aggregate ownership, the average ownership of that four or five man stack next to it, right? So you're looking, let's say Houston is going to be 8.8% smash percentage, but they're only going to be owned at 4%. That's positive leverage. Let's say Boston is the highest, you know, 10.57%, but they're going to be owned at 16%. That's negative leverage. Does it mean you don't play Boston? No. Just means that they're over-owned. You may look down here and you go, oh, the Diamondbacks, they have a 1% chance of being the top stack and they're going to be owned at a half a percent. They're under-owned. Yeah, they're also, they're, they're also only a 1% chance of being the top stack. So, you know, I'm not going to just start jamming in Diamondbacks into all my lineups. You have to look for a mix between they have a good chance of being the top stack as well as being under own for their probability. But this is using the plate IQ projections. If you're not using the plate IQ projections or you're using some compendium of whatever, well, you'd have to calculate this on your own. You have to simulate this on your own. Same thing for same thing for slate IQ. When slate IQ comes out and it shows, you know, percentage of times, whatever, that's a whole, that's a different process. That's a different simulation methodology. Same type of thing, you're, but you're still looking at the general concept of teams that have a better probability of being the top stack than they'll be owned. Yesterday, the, Ast- yesterday, the Astros and the Red Sox. Let's see, I'm looking at them. Even the Marlins, I'm, I'm taking a look at my cheat sheet. Like Boston, Houston, Miami, and Baltimore were positive leverage. The Mets actually was negative. The Mets weren't like like negative, like totally negative. The Mets were over-owned yesterday. And then you're gonna say to me, well, why did you play the ton why did you play a lot of the Mets? I said, yeah, well the Mets, according to the bat, was the highest, the highest stack. The, the highest smash in the bat was the Mets. And that it would be overowned. So if I want to play Mets in my lineups, I need to find an un- I need to find an underowned other parts of the lineup. There's that's where the Red Sox came in. So I had I, I'm not going to play the Mets and the Cincinnati together. They're both overowned. I wasn't going to play the Blue Jays with the Mets. Another overowned team. But I can play Baltimore with the Mets, right? I can play Houston with the Mets. 
because the Mets are still a high probability team. The goal is not to just play all the under, if they're, if they're over-owned, X amount. Like, yeah, but they're also the best projected, they're also the best projected players. So what are you going to do? You just play poorly projected players just because they're under-owned? No, you're making lineups. Remember, lineups, not players. So you take a look at, at, at this lineup, you know, that I had in the 250. Slenderham. I mean, what do I... Oh, Pete Alonso is over-owned at 25%. Yeah, you're right. He is. McNeil is 15%. That was all... He was over-owned. Yeah, but I'm playing 2% Renfro and 7% Duran and 4% Martina. What, what do I care? Boston was what's good. I'm getting the leverage with Boston. I'm playing a chalky pitcher combination because it's a small field. It's a 450 person contest. What more do I need? I could play Mets in this lineup. If I wanted to, let's say I want to play Mets and the Reds, which is too chalky. Then I would be playing like weird pitchers to make it, to make up the difference leverage wise. So people think too much on, well, I'm going to look at the top stat. How did you play this team that was over-owned? Well, you're not just playing a team. Take a, take a look at this lineup. One, two, the three, four, five. Like, if you play a five-man stack, I know this, this is, I'm, I'm going to do simple math for you people, okay? When you select a team on DraftKings, you're like, I'm going to stack this team with five people. Does the lineup end there? Does it end? Am I just stacking Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, Renfro, Duran, and submitting my lineup and going, that's it? No, there's other, there's five other guys in the lineup. So even though you're stacking five guys, that's only half your lineup. So if you want to stay, if you, you want to play the highest projected over-own team, if you want, sure. With five of them, sure, you still have half the lineup to get the leverage you need for the contest that you're in. All positive and negative leverage are is to guide you on how to build the full lineups together. Now, obviously, if you take a look at a tool like the, you know, the, the stack percentage, top stack, team smash, whatever you want to call it. Like if a team, if the team is down here, is a team 1% chance, 2% chance, and they're going to be overall, right? Teams that are, 1% chance of being the top top smashing team and they're going to be owned at 5%. And, and, it's a, and it's a slate like this. we got, what, 26 teams on this slate? Well, I don't know how, how many games are on today. And they rank like at almost at the bottom. Like that, that's a team you exit. That, that, that's a team you may not have any because it not, not only does it not project well, the team doesn't project well, they don't smash often enough and they're going to be over-owned. So it's like, what, what's the purpose of them in your life? If you were to run lineup HQ with that line, that team, the, the projections wouldn't even make it. You, you'd, have, you'd have to physically force them into your lineup because they don't project well enough. And if we take, I mean, let's say we take a look at like, let's see, teams that don't project well. I don't even know today. Let's take a look at the stack projection. Let's look at point per dollar. What teams would not project? The A's? Well, that's not even on the slate. The Rays against means. They look like awful point per dollar, slow ceiling point per dollar, right? Maybe even the Dodgers, but the Dodgers have a high ceiling. So let's take a look at the Rays against means today. 
just to show you. I mean, they have a 4.74 total. But I mean, these point per dollar values, other than like Phillips and Walls. I mean, I don't know who's going to be in the projected lineup or anything. But like these point per dollar values, like you're not going to get much of these guys. Brandon Lau at at at, at six six points, Andy Diaz, Austin Meadows six point. I mean, like these point per dollars. Yeah, sure, Brett Phillips at twenty two hundred. But why are you going to do that? So if you look, if you, if you were to look at the top stacks over here for whatever reason, if this is even if this is even accurate, I don't even know. Where's the raise? Two two point five for six percent. Right, they have a high top value percentage. I don't know what their ownership. We don't have the ownership. But if like this, if Tampa Bay, if it's two point five six percent and they're going to be owned at four percent, it's like look how far down they are. And according to the bat, they don't project that well. So like to me, that's that's a team that I may have none of. Right, I may have the pitcher even against them. If they were under-owned, I still may not even have them because look how far down they are on this list. They don't project well. They're towards the bottom end of, of the spectrum as far as top stack percentage. But let's say on today, like the, let's say the Blue Jays, are they really facing Garrett Richards? Is that going to be a thing today? They're playing in Toronto or they're playing in Buffalo? What's that team total? I can only imagine. Oh, we don't even have that yet. So what does Toronto look like? Like Toronto has a high ceiling, but they they it's not like they project all that well. I mean, in compa- I mean they project well, but compared to Boston, Boston, Boston point per dollar wise is a much better team, but they also may be higher owned. So does that mean you can't play Jaron Duran? You can't play no. Just means if you play, if, if Boston, the Red Sox are going to be chalk, they're going to be higher owned, but they still, they, I mean, they still, if we take a look at Boston for a ceiling, right? Towards the top, here we go in the bat, 95, right? And if they're going to be owned, like, I don't mind, I don't mind. Well, because they're a high projected stack and they have the top stack, whatever percentage. Right? Colorado, we have Colorado and Seattle. Oh, two horrible teams playing in cores, right? They're playing in cores, right? Maybe they go over owned. Maybe these teams go over owned 3.8, 3.42. I don't even know if this is accurate. Like I said, I had to Google this in order to find the right page to even get to before it gets published. It's not even published yet. But that's but that that's the concept. Don't worry about people want want the easy button numbers. Like, oh, well, what numbers would say to play what? It's like, no, you need understand the concept. The whole concept that you're looking to do is to play high projected lineups that have lower ownership. Obviously, in baseball, you probably correlated as well. So mostly. That's that's the goal. The goal is not to play the highest projected lineups. You want to play lineups that have a higher probability of winning compared to what they'll be on. That's it. That's it. End of story. Now, if the top lineup is 120 points and you're like, 
well, I'm going to play a lineup that's projected 50 points lower. Well, hopefully not, not at the same ownership you wouldn't. What would be the point of that? So that's your goal. That's what I show every morning here. How do you build lineups that have a higher probability than the chance that that versus the ownership of the field? Lineups, not players, lineups. So that's why we look through what the lineup constructions are when we look at good players. That's why I go and I see what had it like Broflex, he won, right? Of course, he's like 150 lines, so whatever. Washington, 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 five-man Washington. John Lester at 2%. Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, and Justin Turner at 2% with the home run. 5-2-1. There's nothing wrong with this lineup. What's, and look, we, look at, we have lineups that have double-digit owned players. Pete Alonzo. But John, basically John Lester and Justin Turner at third base. And Trey Barrera, a catcher. Like they made the lineup. There you go. Washington, the five-man Washington. This isn't this is a hard lineup to put together. It isn't a hard lineup. And look, at least 2,500 on the table. Look at that. Now, a lot of this could have been, could have been due to the fact that that this could have this could have been a Padres lineup. Who knows? He could have hit the late swap. Right, oh, I'm gonna have to play a planet plan, and then could, didn't get it. Right, we take a look at Ahit's Pat. Right, Washington, 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 Boston, but four three one with Otani and Yarborough. Oh, he lost by two points of one and a half points with with Yarborough. If he would have just played pretty much anyone else other than Gibson, he could have won. All double digits right here, brick seventy five. Basically, he's a 5-3, right? Five Mets, three Nationals, and John Lester. That's the only way it fits, even with Luis Guillaume at uh, 1%. These aren't, com- these aren't complicated lineups. These are lineups you could have easily came up with before. The- you could easily. Well, why do they pick this team? And They're not picking teams. They're playing lineups. I can repeat it till I'm blue in the face. We take a look at ownership. It's not like, it's not like, like, look, well, he played tons of, Broflex played tons of Reds. He played 16% Vlad Guerrero, right? He still played, you know, uh, he played Marlins, plenty of Marlins lineups. Here's a Semyon in Blue Jays lineups. Pairing them together. I mean, how much, Giorm. He had him in what? Three lineups? This is three lineups because he was playing Mets stats. What made him play that? Nothing. What made him play Lester? He's 6,300. He didn't project that badly. In order to fit in expensive stacks, you're going to need cheap pitchers. Lester was 6,300. Irvin was what? six? No, Irvin was 7,800. Mills was 6,700. And Mize was 6,600. I thought those were the options in there. But if you wanted to do something like Smith and Lester, that, that's what you had to do in order to fit those batters in. And with the fact that yes, on yesterday's slate, the pitching projections were very close to one another. You did not have to spend up 
on pitching based on the projections. Now, can you build lineups and just like, oh, well, the highest projected, the highest projected guy is Granky in this spot, and I have 8,800 left? And yeah, then that's what fits. That's what fits in that spot. But you need to be viewing the whole lineup. You're not going to, you didn't see me yesterday with any the Mets, Red Sox, uh, Mets, uh, uh, Cincinnati lineups. Or Tampa Bay was owned. Like I didn't play like Tampa, I'm not playing two chalky teams together. Two neg, not chalky. Poor, poor choice of words. Two negative leverage teams together. Then if I am, I got to play. I got to play weird pitchers. I'm going to do that. Looking through the YouTube chat. March Mimic. Jordan, how do you get more diversification with pitchers to gain leverage? Even when I reduce exposure, it keeps giving me chalk pitchers. Well, then lower it. Pick the pitchers you want and give them a minimum exposure. What's It's not that complicated. Maybe you want chalk. Maybe you're building lineups that are so contrarian hitters. Why wouldn't you want the highest projected pitchers? I don't mind that. That makes sense in those lineups. If you have an ownership cap, like for the total lineup, that could also... Did, to me, it sounds like you're playing very contrarian hitters. And that's and it's going to try to optimize for projection and give you, obviously, the best projected pitchers. Let's see. Chris Schumacher. Hey, Jordan, you've talked about the fact that you make recommendations to the team that, uh, yeah, the developer team, yeah. Is there any way to move it to save multiple different lineups? I don't even know what that means. Oh, so okay, to have multiple sets. So there's no just, there's not one, there's not just one saved lineup section, right? So like if I if I just clicked here, I can, I'm just, I'm just, what, what am I doing? You're talking about the saved lineups because there's only one saved lineup section. So if I were to build whatever, I'm just clicking through, right? These saved lineups, right? It's like, I want to save this lineup and that lineup, right? there but i now i want to save a different set and have a second save lineup set to me if you're going to do that i've done something like that before you just do it with builds like get to the build that you want i do this like like yesterday a perfect example yesterday i mean i didn't do it because i was a multi-entering like yesterday i thought a good idea would have been if you're playing like 100 entry if you're playing a lot and you're using lineup hq you, you make one 150 set with the San Diego Atlanta game in and one without and have, you could rename the build. This could be the, the one with it in and the one with it out. So you build with them in and then you X them out and you build with them out. And then now you have, now you have two CSVs for that. So you could do that with the different builds. I mean, you could build, you could, it saves the second build here. But what you would want is different lineup saves. Well, if you're going to be using it for a CSV anyway, I've done it before, but I just use it with the build one, build two, build three, build whatever. And just pull out the lineups from those. If anything, delete, you could delete the lineups, right? Build two. It's like, oh, I, I, only, want, I only want these three lineups. Well, then just delete the other ones, right? 
let's say let's say i want the top five lineups here one two three four five right i go here delete all lineups below right delete all lineups below right and there you go you're down to five and then you save that and go okay you don't need the save lineup section you're just like build two is my is my five lineups of glory or whatever i don't know call it whatever you want All right, whatever whatever you want to call it and you do it that way you could do it that way do enough people save multiple sets of lineups that you would need a section like that i'm not sure but i see where you're going but i think there's more i think there's there's i think there's better ways of doing that personally Chris Schumacher says, here's the dilemma. Okay, okay, let, let me see this. I usually enter two different contests. One has 150 max and one has a 25 max. I grind many different lineups and save some from this grind and some from that grind until I hit 150. From that 150, I like to specifically call another 25. Yeah, but you're not, you don't have to save the 150. The 150 is in your build. I'm never using, I don't, I don't know about you, I don't use the save lineup section often. You could use the save lineups for your 25 if you want, if you want to do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you're building right in here. If I'm building 150 lineups, I'll build 100 lineups. I'm gener generating this multiple times. So I'm building this just, to, just as an example, right? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm tweaking. I'm tweaking. Okay, build four. I'm getting too much of this guy. I'm building again, right? I'm moving this around. I'm creating a group. I'm like, I'm getting too much of that and whatever I'm doing. I'm doing this a whole bunch of times. Obviously I'm stimulating me doing it, right? Until I get to like build seven. It's like two minutes before lock. It's like, okay, this all looks good. Well, then I'm uploading build set, right? I delete, delete all the other builds. And there you go. My final build of a hundred and whatever. And that's what I'm, that's what my 150 would be. Then if you're like, oh, I want to take out of this and make 25, well, then just do it again and make another build. You don't have to save this build. You don't, I don't have to save all these lineups. Like, what would I do here? Save this and all lineups below, right? You could do that, right? It saves all 35 of these lineups. Like, why do I have to do that? I already have them in this build. I could already export this 35. I could already, these are already my saved 35 lineups as it is. Why do I need them? Why do I need them in this save lineup section? I don't, right? I go to the save lineup section. It's, it, it's exactly the same. It looks exactly the same. Unsave all lineups below. Right? I could take them out, right? But it's still, I still have the save 35 lineups, right? So now that you're done with your whatever build, now you want to do your 25? Well, then, then start start over. And you already have it here. It's already, it's already here. You don't, you don't have to do anything in the save lineup section. That's why I was wondering why you'd need multiple save lineup sections. Chris Schumacher says it would be better if I could save sets, but you can save sets. I'm saving the set. 
I don't think you understand the fact that the save lineup section and the builds are the same exact things. I'm literally showing you how you do it. You could save sets. What, what's wrong with it? I don't understand. I'm befuddled. Right? Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do exactly what you what you want to happen. Okay. I want 150 lineups. 150 lineups with whatever. Let's 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 set something. Right? Let's get all five threes and just whatever it comes out of. Right? Three unique players, who cares? Whatever it comes out of. So you're gonna build this. This is your 150 set. Whenever it starts. Typically, I don't like doing the big numbers because we have to sit around here and wait. So this would be your 150 set that you're building. So when this comes out, uh, it'll come out here. Now, if you look at that, what you're going to look at that and go, oh, I'm getting too much of this and too much of that. So you're going to start setting exposures and you're going to click the button again to get build two, right? And then, you, and then you're going to see, it's like, I'm not getting enough of this. I'm not getting enough of that, right? I'm getting too much of this. I'm too much of that. So you're going you're gonna to tweak your 150 build. And you get build three, build four, build five, until, until whatever. And then you have it there. It's there. It's literally, it's literally sitting there. What do you have to save? It's already there. It's saved. It's there. Right? This is going to take too long. Right? So here, it's saved. You're done. Build one. Your set of lineups. Lineups saved. Okay? Your set of lineups saved. For 150 max, right? Right? Oh, now I need 25 lineups for 25. Then you could do whatever you want. Feel free to change any of the rules you want and everything like that. Go into the stacks and... Do 25 lineups. Then you build it. Then, okay. So you go around, you change your settings, whatever, and there you go. You have another one, right? Lineups for 25 max. What, what, what do I need to save anything? It's already there. Here's my 150 build. Here's my export. Here's my 25 build. And if I want to tweak the 25, oh, I'm getting too much of this. So you build it. Okay, there you go. Right? Oh, this one looks better, right? And you delete this one, right? You delete that one. And you make that the 25 max. So like, what am I, what am I saving? What am I, I don't understand. What am I save? What am I putting my save line? I mean, you're not doing 150 max by picking them out one by one. I wouldn't do that. Jamie Burkhart, the lineup you showed was a Washington 5-3 Boston New York Mets. I understand the concept of low on Boston with higher on Mets, but why 5-3? Because it's more correlated. Did I also build a 5-2 and a 5-1-1? I build whatever, whatever. Jamie, don't overthink it. The smaller field of contest, the more I just want to get two things right. Boston, 
New York. How do they fit together? 5-3. Oh, I'm 100 off, and I can't fit in Conforto. So play a 33, then play a one-off, $3,300 guy that projects well. Maybe Naquin would be in that lineup. Who knows? I'd say that I would say that 90, 99.9% of people that play MLB DFS vastly overthink this. Vast by by 10 to 20 times. Okay. Why five three versus five two and five one one? Why not? That could have been a four three one lineup. Now, in smaller field contests, I want to. I, I don't need the nut score. I don't need the highest score possible. I want to get as little amount of things right as possible, right? Together. I don't want to have to pick three one offs. So, if I could mix two teams together, there you go. If the, if the Red Sox and the Mets do well, that lineup probably does well. Well, do you play Dom Smith or do you play Goodford? Whatever fits. I don't care. Why Nido and not Ploiecki? Because he because Nido projected better and he fit there. That, that, that's the difference. Why did you not play Verdugo? Because I could have played Ploiecki here, right? Saved the 600 because he was only 2,000. And then gone up from what? Yarbrough to Gibson? Still have 200 and have Renfro go up to Verdugo. Okay. It would have been the same lineup. Well, actually, no, I need to have another Met in here, right? This would be, no, right. Renfro would turn into Conforto, right? So instead of night, instead of Alonzo McNeil, Nido, it would be Alonzo McNeil Conforto in the Renfro spot, Plawecki in the Nido spot and Gibson in the Yarborough spot. That lineup's, what's wrong with that lineup? That lineup's fine also. This lineup projects slightly better based on the bat projections. Slightly better, slightly. But if you want to play the 5-3 the, the in a different way, go go right ahead. The Mets really didn't have third. I mean, you play J.D. Davis, but typically, you know, the Red Sox are easy. But you could have played that other. What, what, it's maybe two or three point projection difference. Not much of an ownership change. You're probably playing Alonzo in the Mets, right? That's probably not changing. But I could have easily, instead of playing Ryan Yarborough, okay, let, was there a pitcher cheaper than that? No. Uh, like, instead of playing J.D. Martinez at 4,800, I could have played some other guy. I could, I could have played Winker, right? I could have played Winker here and have played Gibson there, right? That would have been chalkier. And played a 4-3-1. There's nothing wrong with that either. I could have played instead of Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith was a well-projected pitcher, according to the bat. I could have played, instead of playing Caleb Smith, I could have played John Lester here, saved 300, went from J.D. Martinez down to Dom Smith, and then Renfro up to Verdugo. And it's like, it's virtually the same lineup also. This lineup would still project maybe two or three points higher at about the same amount of ownership. Well, Lester would have gotten it lower. A little bit lower than it would have. Well, how do you, and now I know the question is going to be, 
I could probably go through this. I could spend the next, I don't know, 10 to 12 hours on slight variations of this thing. I could. I could just sit here on YouTube and show you exact Boston Mets lineups that are 5-2-1-5-1-1-1-5. I could show you tons of variations of this that are within like two or three points of each other. It's been 10 hours. We could. How many lineups can we build? Probably 100. 100 just like this. And you're going to go, well, how do you choose? Well, which one's the best one? I don't know. With the variance in baseball? Probably a lineup that's two or three points higher projected is, is going to be slightly better. Over a million slate sample size? Sure. Now, do I want to play one that's 20 points lower projected? No. Do I want to play one that's a million percent owned? No. But anything in the middle... Sure. And you could have picked, I, I could have made a hundred of these types of lineups. Exactly. Like 1v1s. Well, like when talking about like instead of instead of JD Martinez or instead of Renfro, like I'm playing Kiki Hernandez here and then I'm going down and I'm playing, you know, Cole Irvin, right? Or I'm going from Nido down to Plawecki and then Yarborough up to Otani, right? I mean, look how many combinations could we make with just the Mets and the Red Sox together? And they'll all be fairly, fairly close to each other. If you were to close your eyes, if you, t- if you made a hundred lineups and you just close your eyes and, and just went to random.org, I just went to this and I made a hundred lineups and I had to, I could only choose one, right? I made a hundred, a hundred Mets, Red Sox lineups that all project within like three points of each other median wise and they're all around the same ownership i just list 100 i just go like this 97 that's the one i go with well how do you choose they're they're pick whichever one you like close your eyes one that looks the best to you who knows they're so close to each other if you're sitting around for a half an hour thinking about this decision you're you're thinking too much that's what i mean you're vast vastly overthinking vastly to the point of stupidity. If I were to go, go to lineup HQ today and build five, three lineups of any team or five, two ones or whatever, based on, I, I could, I could, and I had to pick one. Like you're going to find, you're going to find like between, between a five point range in lineups and, and 10 points in ownership. Like you're going to find hundreds upon hundreds of lineups. You can only play one. Well, make a choice. They're all going to look different. Mathematically, you're just trying to bet better lineups than the field. What happens on that given day? I have no idea. That's why we that's why we play every day. That's why we play multiple slates. That's why we have a large sample size. Let's see. Grimble, can we save the settings for GPP build so when I clear it to build my cash line, if I could go back to the setting I already have? Yes, but you don't even have to. Like you really need to watch the lineup HQ tutorials. If you want to build a cash lineup, just go like this. 
lineup preview, and there you go. Press the optimize button. You don't need to change your settings. But obviously, in the build rules, you could save. You could say, it's here. Update DK MLB defaults. So you could save your settings here. And then reload them for each site, DK MLB. But if you'd run and catch, just run to use the sidebar. Right? I could build all the lineups I want here. Let's say, oh, so I, I don't want I don't want this guy in my lineup. So X him out and then run it again. Right? Nola McClanahan, right? As of right now with the bad projections, Nola McClanahan, Raleigh, Aguiar, Hampson. I mean, it's already in there. I don't need I don't need any of the settings. Use the lineup preview on the sidebar. It disregards any of your settings. It's just a player pool. And we'll give you the top projected median lineup, regardless. It's not that complicated. You don't need another. You don't need to save. You don't need to do anything. Just use the lineup preview. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Norm Bothwell, are projections that important? Of course they are. A 150-point projected lineup for 120-point projected lineup is like a homer and a double difference. Yeah, so one lineup is a homer and a double on average better than the other lineup. Why? Of course it matters. Does it mean that the 120-point projected lineup can never win? Of course not. But it's going to win less. It's going to score less points. I mean, that's the whole point of what projections are. They're not predictions. They're projections. They're a range of outcomes. Ryan H, is it negative EV to play the pitchers from the same game in a single lineup? It's, that, that, it's not directly negative EV. Obviously, this this it's negatively correlated. They're gonna, you're adding a small amount of negative correlation to the ceiling of your lineup. Because obviously, only one pitcher can get the win. Obviously, neither pitcher could get the win also. I mean, like, neither. I mean, half the, more than half the time, neither starting pitcher gets a decision at all. Okay, nearly half the time. The other half of the time, what then it's the win probability of the two teams, I guess. So you by playing the two pit two starting pitchers from the same game, you're limiting your ceiling on average by like a point or an, and a half, maybe. Should you be doing well? It depends on the rest of your life. Like you, you still you're still not getting it. Lineups, not players. If you're already getting tons of leverage in the rest of your lineup and you have ceiling and in the rest of your line and you're then giving up one and a half points of, of 80th percentile range, not even the middle range, just the high range. Maybe it's still, it's worth well, Sure, then do it. Especially if one of the pitchers is like dramatically underpriced. It's like, I'm going to play two pitchers from the same. Okay, you could do it. It's, it's about the lineups. It's not about the players. Would I already have a lineup that projects poorly and is high owned. Well, let me limit my ceiling even more. Like then you wouldn't play both pitchers from the same game in that type of lineup. It's already bad enough as it is. And now you're adding even more negative correlation to it. No. So you have to think in terms of all the players in your lineup at once. 
maybe there's some maybe there's some lineups that are fine with two pitchers from the same game. Maybe lineup, maybe the lineups that are plenty of lineups that aren't that you want you want to squeeze as much ceiling as you can out of it. So it's not a one do one or the other. It could be complete that the lineup with both pitchers from the same game could be massively plus EV. And, and a different lineup with the same exact two pitchers could be massively negatively EV. Because fortunately, you're not just playing two pitchers. It'll, and, and you're not, you're not, I'm not putting a Nolan McClanahan and ending there and just submitting my lineup. There's eight other guys in my lineup. You have to balance these things out. There are three levers. Projection, correlation, leverage. The balance of high projection. Okay, very high projection. No correlation, no, no leverage. I mean, that's 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 a cash game there. The great median, big bulk in that center. Best shot at getting that median outcome, which is great for double ups, but not not very good for GPPs. Make min cash a lot. Man, you may get some min cash. Then you have a then you have a lineup, tons of correlation. I'm Five three tons of leverage, right? You, the lever for the leverage goes up. Yeah, I, I got I got a five three with the two lowest owned stacks and the two lowest owned pitchers. The projection is garbage. I mean, the it, that lever is like in the floor. <coughs> you have a lineup that projects so horrible. That lineup sucks, right? Oh, but I got all the leverage and I got all the car. Yeah, but but the project. I mean, your your lineup. Projects for half the amount of points as anyone else's lineup. You would need some ridiculously outlier event for both these, all these things to happen. You might as well play parlays at that point. That with how 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 infrequent it would happen. That it's not even worth it. It's such a low projection, you're not even worth it to play. So it's not one or the other. It's about putting them together. And the larger the field of the contest. The more variance you want, the more you want to sac- you want to sacrifice projection. That lever starts coming down. The larger the field contest it is, and the more the correlation and the leverage levers go up. Smaller field contests, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna be cranking up the projection with no correlation or leverage, but you're not gonna be sacrificing that much, right? You're not gonna be sacrificing that many points because you don't need to. How much leverage do you need in a 400-person contest? 70,000? Okay, yeah, you're probably probably not going to play a cash lineup in that contest. Right? Uncorrelated, you know, just whatever. The best values in the two chalk pitchers, I mean, that you might as well throw your money away. In the long run, you're like, oh, you may min cash, sure. You're not going to min cash often enough. So that that's the point. So all these questions, all these things, is this, is that, it's a, well, what's the what does the lineup look like? And and it's quite possible. And actually, it's not only quite possible, it is likely that you could build 2,000, 3,000 lineups for today's slate that all have around the same expected value. They have different teams, different everything. I mean, they're completely different from one another. Yet if we simulate this laid out 10,000 times, that 
I've made 2,000 lineups that all end up showing the same amount of value, profit, ROI. But, but I'm only playing 20. Which 20 should I play? Close your eyes and, and choose. That's when we come into diversification of like, they're all the same. Well, about the same. Why do I want to play all of one player? Right? Because I'm just, now my portfolio, like I, I, I only have so many slates that I'm going to be playing. But once I find 2,000 lineups that all look different, that all have about the same expected value, I'm going to play 100 of them. Well, why would I play 100% Fernando Tatis? I mean, he could. Just that now you're increasing the variance of your portfolio. Which you could, if you, if you don't mind. If you don't mind swings like, wee, 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 wee. If you don't mind the heavy swings, sure, you could do that. That's why the difference between like lineup strategy and diversification are two different things. You first have to find, you have to first have to build the lineups. And then you have to go and go, okay, now I'm playing 20 of them, like 20 plus EV lineups. If you're building 20 garbage lineups, who cares what your diversification is? doesn't matter what you do. You're going to be unprofitable no matter what. That's the goal. Finding plus EV lineups. And it's quite possible that the differences between the lineups, with the amount of variance there is in baseball, is just not much difference. Yes, there's a difference when a lineup that, oh, this lineup projects at 120, and I'm playing a lineup that projects at 80. Yeah, that's a big difference. Or I'm play, there's a lineup that has an ownership sum of 225%, and this one has an ownership sum of 80%. Yes, that's a big difference. But right in that, the middle zone, I could probably, like, if this top lineup is 120, and let's say, let's uh, with this, even with the stacks, let's say we have the top stacked lineup, a five-man stack, is 115 at a certain ownership. Five, one, one, one. Well, you could probably find within the next five points, tons of lineups, five, one, 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 those types of lineups that are at 115, you could probably find hundreds of them. That you don't have to send it, but now you're going to find which ones are the, which are the lower owned ones. Ah, play as many of those, but then you're also probably playing the same stack a million times. So it's like, oh, maybe I could find a lineup that's at 113 that is slightly different. It's like, oh, okay, I could play that one. Find one at 112. Are you looking for ones down at 70? Probably not. And the further you go down from 115 to 112 to 110 to 108 to 106, you, the ownership better go down with it. Because what would be the point of playing a lineup that is 105 point projected at 150 ownership sum when there's a lineup at 115 points with the same ownership sum? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sacrifice 10 points of projection for no reason, for no leverage. I'm not getting anything. So that's what you do. That's what DFS is. This is what it is. So the players like, oh, what's the plays? That's why I don't understand what 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 plays could there be. You already have these numbers. The, your job is you just put the numbers together and in an order where you could put the put the numbers better than the other people that put the numbers better together. That's it. And stop thinking of well, should I play five two one or five one 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 or five, whichever whichever one. Sometimes some five three lineups are better than five two one lineups. Certain ones, not in general. On this slate, would you play on this slate? You could play anything you want. There's probably plenty of four three one lineups that are better than five three lineups. But there are also tons of four three one lineups that aren't. 
There may be three two two lineups. There not may not be as many. There are probably some three two two lineups that are better. High projection, low ownership, enough correlation. You're not getting maximum correlation. That may be good to play also. So it's not you're not locking yourself into what what what's the best construction for today's slate. Well, it depends on the lineup. It's all about lineups and not players. I talk about this all the time. I talk about it in the theory of DFS. Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports is a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. How to think like a professional DFS player. This is the, I mean, what I've what I've been describing is all in here. If you want structured education, it's game theory that applies to all sports, not just MLB. So it's me and James McCool for 15 hours. It's like a seminar. And you can listen to it multiple times. Most people do. Every chapter, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. Typically, you, you listen to it for 15 hours. You'll learn something new every single time you go through it. That This is how I learned how to play poker, with the theory of poker from David Sklansky. You play, you read. You play, you read. You play, you read. You pick up things. You know, maybe I'm not doing this enough. Maybe you're not doing that. Or maybe you don't. You listen to it the first time. It's like, I don't even understand half of this. But then you play a little and you go, oh, okay. Now I think I know what he's talking about, right? And then you see it. You start seeing it and you play. And finally, when it clicks, you'll feel you'll once it clicks, you'll feel like uh, what are all these people asking the stupidest questions for? Right. That's what that's what you'll watch. You'll watch shows and roto grinders and go, why are people even why? Why, why do two V twos exist? So just just add the numbers together and just put them. There you go. Why, why do you have to ask someone to do that for you? So there you go. Well, if you want to do that, if you want to ask two V twos, tune in later. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Grinders live, five thirty. Yeah, you get Devin. Devin's in the in the in the chat. Grinders live at five thirty. Got crunch time for premium members. After that, PGA at seven twenty. NBA live betting show. Oh, we got the betting show live. Live betting. Oh, because of the finals tonight. So, uh, so yeah. So we got tons of stuff going on here on the YouTube channel. Uh, programming note. Okay, I know it doesn't matter what I say. Because people are gonna they're gonna message me anyway, right? Because they don't listen. Uh, there will be no show tomorrow and Thursday. So I'll be back on Friday. I am uh, I'm going in, going in for a for a colonoscopy tomorrow. So I, I will I will not be available. I will probably be on the toilet most of tonight, and possibly tomorrow night. So I don't even know how I'm going to feel on Thursday. So I just might as well just take off. So uh, so. Tomorrow and Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, there's no show, okay? I'm going to say this, and I know at about 11.05 tomorrow and Thursday, I'm going to get mess- messages on Discord of like, no show today, What's where's the show, what's the show? Even though it's just people that listen and watch the sh- show every day. So I, I don't know why people don't listen, but no show Wednesday, no show Thursday. I'll be back Friday, uh, and then, then, then we're off to the races. Like, like I always am here at 11 o'clock in the morning for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.